Thanks for downloading this History Hub podcast. This podcast is brought to you in association with Globalizing the Rising, 1916 in Context, a major conference which will take place in University College Dublin on the 5th and 6th of February 2016. For more information, go to centenaries.ucd.ie. In this episode, a paper recorded at the Universities in Revolution and State Formation Conference, which took place in UCD Newman House on the 5th and 6th of June 2015. This project was funded by an Irish Research Council New Foundations Award and by a University College Dublin Decade of Centenaries Award. Podcasting was by Real Smart Media. This episode features a recording from the second panel on day two, 68 in the universities. The paper, We're Paying for Them to Support the IRA, Queen's University Students in Revolution, 1967 to 1971, was given by Dr. Sarah Campbell from Newcastle University. Some new research that I've been working on, um, so it's, it's been great to kind of have the incentive to, to push through it and, and, and get some uh, work done on it. So I am grateful for that. So um, thoughts and comments at the end would be very much welcome because I, I, this is something, like I said, that is new. Um, so I'm looking at Queen's University in Belfast in the late 1960s, looking at the um, formation of the people's democracy there. And the historiography on the students' movement in Queen's University Belfast is is quite limited, really. Um, most historians um, in the main deal with people's democracy. Um, and while there have been attempts to look at this in a kind of transnational perspective, particularly by um, historians like Bob Purdy or more recently Simon Prince, these examinations tend to be absorbed into a kind of wider reading of the civil rights movement. Um, and so the people's democracy kind of fits in and out. And, you know, there's only one um, key book um, that is, has ever been written on the people's democracy, and that's um, Paul Arthur's 1974 account of it. Um, so to start off with the title of the paper... Um, The title of the paper comes from a um, survey that one of the student journalists um, for Queen's University um, student paper, which was Garn at the time and still is Garn, um, conducted in November of 1971 on what members of the um, public in Belfast thought about Queen's students. And so the answer that they got was, could you tell me what you think of Queen's students? And the reply came from from the predominantly Shankill the predominantly Protestant Shankill Road area, and the uh, respondent said, I'll tell you all right, they're stuck up and we're paying for them to support the IRA. They should be put up against the wall and shot. It's disgusting. So um, where did this perception come from? Um, why were student, um, university students in, 19, in 1970-71 associated with the IRA, and is this a fair reading of the situation? Um, I think it was Professor Tom Garvin of UCD who um, said to me once, if you want to know what's going on in a university, um, read the student newspaper. So that's what I've done. I've kind of looked, went back to the 1960s and I've looked at the student newspaper. Um, so instead of kind of focusing on the key figures of people's democracy, people like Michael Farrell and Bernadette Devlin, um, I want to try and examine the kind of wider student body and the wider student experience and see, you know, does people's democracy actually fit in with that? Um, so like I said, I looked at the student newspaper between 1967 and the, in the lead up to the, the 68 um, revolts, I guess, and the, the demonstrations that took place, um, and then kind of looked at it beyond that, right up until 1971 after internment was introduced in Northern Ireland. Um, and, but I've also looked at the biographies and the, the autobiographies and memoirs of those key figures who were involved. And I've also looked at the um, other student newspapers more globally. Um, 
where I could get access to them online. So one of them was um, Black Dwarf, which was published by, um, edited and published by Tarek Ali between 1968 and 1970. So looking at that research, what this paper attempts to do then is to look at the rise of student radicalism in Queen's University Belfast in 1968 by focusing on three key areas. Um, the first is how politically active were students in the 1960s before 1968. Um, Gary Reiner Horn, who's written on, on the 1968 um, global phenomenon of, of student activism, points to a meeting that students had, student leaders had in Paris in 1967, and they aired their worries about what they considered to be the most important problem facing their cohort at that time, and that was the generalised student apathy. Um, and so I want to kind of see, is that the case in Northern Ireland as well? And the second part of the paper then looks, wants to look at or examine the fast-paced events that proved that above assertion wrong and the formation of the people's democracy in Queens after the 5th of October demonstration in Derry and the student protest to, that, to what, what happened at that event. And so this section will explore how the people's democracy linked the issues faced in Northern Ireland in 1968 um, to kind of global concerns or not and the extent to which the students themselves situated themselves as part of a kind of transnational student movement. And the final section will look at how those outside the university, both in, in, the, in the wider Belfast community, but also more globally, viewed the student movement in Northern Ireland. And it will say something to the extent to which Northern Ireland's student, um, student movement and student activism fitted in with the, the global um, 1968 phenomenon. This is Queen's University in 1949. Um, Marilyn Richterick, who's kind of looked at the student um, movement or the, the kind of key people who were in Queen's University at the beginning of the 60s, um, has argued that as the only degree-granting university in Northern Ireland at the time, Queen's was key to the Northern Irish establishment. Because it was the Northern Ireland university, Queen's became both a microcosm of the society as a whole and a barometer of where it was headed, um, as changes in the social structure manifested themselves there first. Um, the social background of the students, the incoming students of the 1960s, diverged um, you know, from that of earlier student generations. If we look, you know, neither, the work, working class families didn't really have um, either the money or the will required to send their sons and daughters to grammar schools that could, could prepare them for university up until the 1940s um, and 19, early 1950s. Um, when Queen's became independent in 1908-1909, um, Catholics accounted for fewer than 6% of the student population. The 1947 Education Act then had a levelling effect in Northern Ireland, enabling intelligent working class men and women to obtain an education at the taxpayer's expense. Um, so, and I think this graph is, is um, quite telling. So it, it goes from 1954 here right up into 1987, and this is the second one, and this is the... Um, the percentage of um, students, total, to, total population of students as Catholics, so it, it's, it's increasingly rising, and you can see that this rise is taking place in the 1960s. And I think this indicates the important shift in the growing proportion of Catholic um, students at Queen's. And the first Catholic um, president of the Students' Representative Council, the SRC, was only elected in 1955. There were four political groups in Queen's at the time. There was the Conservative and Unionist Association, which bizarrely had a Catholic chairman in the 1960s, Louis Boyle, who was the brother of um, 
the brother of Kevin Boyle, who became very prominent in, the people, in people's democracy later in the 1960s. There was the Labour group, there was the National Democratic group, and there was the Liberal group. Um, and in the early 1960s, Queen's was described as a bit of a cultural backwater um, by some of the more famous students who attended. So those like Seamus Dean, Seamus Heaney, Stuart Parker, um, all kind of talked about the, f- the fact that this is a, a cultural backwater. Yet Parker, um, Stuart Parker noted in 1962, quote, Queen's is not an oasis, but it is a powder store. And if enough people light matches, we can blast our way out of this cultural siege and then we can start the war in earnest. So I think that that's quite interesting that he's kind of um, starting to think in, the, in those terms. But what were students thinking about in 1967? What, you know, what were they writing about? What concerned them? Um, bizarrely, when you're looking at the student newspapers, it's the forerunner to internet dating rather than any kind of, any kind of politics. So you have, you know, they're, they're talking about um, computer dating and how computers can, can um, pick your perfect match. Um, so while the Debating societies have been these vibrant um, environments for the politically minded in the late 1950s and the early 1960s, such as Literific and the New Ireland Forum, which was created in the early 1960s. This was not the case by 1967. Student apathy was criticised, it was mourned. Um, Brenda Devlin commented in her, in her memoirs on this anomaly in Belfast, and she said, quote, What made student politics all the more absurd at this time was that Queen's was basically a nine-to-six university. None of us was the kind of independent 24 hours a day student that you get in colleges in England. We went home for tea. You were a student during the day, but your mother asked you where you were going at eight o'clock at night. So this was particularly noticeable when protests against the the raising of fees for international students was organised in 1967, which barely attracted 50 students. One editorial in Garn commented that, quote, a traditional characteristic of the student is his willingness to espouse what he considers to be a worthy cause and fight with unceasing determination for that cause. The student has been to the fore in most movements for social and political reform. He has campaigned against injustice, but he is not yet awakened in Ulster. Being an Ulster man is an incurable disease. You never quite recover from the legacy of bigotry, hypocrisy, irrationality and lunacy comprising the Ulster mentality. As thousands of students in Britain organise marches of protest against the raising of fees for foreign students, the Queensman sits back and considers the issue irrelevant. As his counterparts in Madrid are daily embroiled in riots, he tut-tuts about the quality of union meals. The Queen's student is at best an impotent mugwump and at worst an uninquisitive bore. It's the first time I'd ever come across the word mugwump, but, but there you go. But this isn't an isolated kind of opinion or idea. Um, another article had commented that, quote, the British and Irish student has, of course, always been an apolitical animal, preferring to sit and scold rather than stand up and be counted. His counterpart in such countries as Belgium, Spain and Italy, to name but a few, is prepared to, fight, to both fight and suffer for his convictions, as well as come out on strike. And I think with both these... Um, editorials and opinions to kind of demonstrate is this recognition of the events that are going on in, in student politics in, the, in other countries on the continent. Um, but apart from, you know, debates on whether or not there should be condom machines in the student union, and this 
seemed to take up an awful lot of the time in 1967. And the other uh, main political issue around that year was, um, and seemed to generate the most interest among the student body, was the Minister of Home Affairs, William Craig's banning of the Republican clubs, which immediately um, resulted in the setting up of a Republican club in Queen's. Um, And the largest um, protest the Queen's had ever seen for for a long time. And I I think this apparent increase in interest in Republicanism was further underscored by a raid um, of the the student union by the special branch, which was operating under the special Parza, Act in May of 1968, and they were acting on information that they had received the copies of the banned newspaper, the United Irishman, were available for sale at the university, and so that, that's why they, they raided the, um, the union. But how radical were students in comparison to, to other um, universities? Um, how radical were they in, in Northern Ireland compared to those on the continent? Um, the, ac- the academic year of 1967 to 68 had witnessed a particularly eventful upsurge in student militancy across Europe. In Italy, 13 of the 33 state universities were occupied. In Barcelona, the authorities were forced to install a permanent police on the campus. In January of 1968, France has had its May Days, as Matt will talk about, and Czechoslovakian students were at the forefront of, in, in resisting a Russian invasion. But Queen's students seemed really conservative in comparison, and there was very little indication that, the, that Belfast undergraduates were part of this worldwide wave of student protests that seemed to hit. A Gaon survey in 1968 found that almost two-thirds of, student, of Queen's students agreed with Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech. Um, the opinion of poll um, revealed that 60% of students interviewed wanted immigration stopped completely or at least reduced to negligible proportions. The largest anti-Vietnam protest on March in Belfast attracted only about 50 or 60 participants. But this all changed dramatically when students returned for the winter semester in 1968. On the 9th of October, 1,500 students gathered outside Queen's University to march to Belfast City Hall in protest against the events of the previous Saturday um, of 5th of October in Derry. And the 5th of October march um, that was organised by the Derry Action um, Housing Committee, the Derry Housing Action Committee and the Civil Rights Movement that had been banned by William Craig, which went ahead anyway, that the RUC, um, you know, bat and charged the protesters off the streets. And this, this seemed to have a reaction with an awful lot of the students. And Eamon McCann has since described that youth element within the 5th of October march. He said... Quote, it was a small demonstration, perhaps 400 strong, and 100 of these were students from Belfast. Most of the rest were teenagers from the Bogside and Craigan. So this protest on the 9th of October was loosely organised by a joint action committee against the suppression of liberties, and it was a body that represented all student opinion except the unionists. Um, this protest demonstration was met by counter-demonstrations by Paisley and rerouted. Um, students eventually staged a sit-down, uh, sit-down protest for three hours before the return to the university. And out of this frustration, that it, it's out of this frustration that the People's Democracy is born. And formed, and it, for a time it provided a home for more or less anyone in the university who disliked the status quo in Northern Ireland. Um, a week later, there was another march organised. This time, you know, a thousand more people attended, 2,500 pe- students. They reached the city hall again uh, behind the PD banner, and this group was made up of Republicans, moderates, unionists, revolutionary socialists, and anarchists. And never before or since um, did so many parties join in one political protest in Northern Ireland. 
And so this politicisation of students, or the increased politicisation of students, could be seen by the fact that for the first time in many years in that, in that winter semester, every position on the executive of the Student Representative Council and the Student Union was contested. But what kind of, I mean, where were they getting their influences from? Were they influenced by events on the continent, by events in America? And the, um, and the answer is yes, to a certain extent, yes. Um, and this is seen in the posters that they used. So the first poster is a poster that was um, designed by John McGuffin. It's a silkscreen poster, he, and he's using techniques that were picked up in May of, of in Paris in May of 1968. You can see the kind of similarities there. Um, and this this poster was first designed in August of 1969 when there was um, the the disturbances in in um, Belfast and Derry. And it's the first poster to advocate the abolition of the Stormont government. You see a red hand there smashing Stormont. It's either the red hand of of um, the red hand of Ulster, or the clenched fist of solidarity that you can you can see in the, the second poster. Um, Michael Farrell was also interviewed in 1969 for New Left Review, and he said, People's Democracy is not just part of the civil rights movement, it's a revolutionary association. Its formation was considerably influenced by the Sorbonne um, Assembly and by concepts of libertarianism as well as socialism. It has adopted a very democratic type of structure. There is no form of membership and all meetings are open. There were slogans and and placards and chants that were all influenced by global events. The the most obvious one is the the, um, song We Shall Overcome that was borrowed from the American Civil Rights Movement. Um, Student unrest and violence in Mexico City prior to the Olympics suggested they come to Derry for the Olympics placard that they used in 1968. The Beatles weren't left out of it. Um, Their song Yellow Submarine provided the tune for We All Live in a Fascist Regime that they used to sing at protests too. And they also had a very kind of contextual um, local understanding of, of Ulster politics. So at a time when Terence O'Neill was or- organising civic weeks, they had the idea of you know, civil rights, not civic weeks. Um, and also in the aftermath of the Burnt Tullip March um, in January of 1969, students referred to Derry instead of Londonderry, they referred to it as Leninderry. So you can see the kind of influences that they, that they had. Um, and also, you know, this went, this went beyond 1968. Tarek Ali comes to the university in 1969 to speak to, to the um, New Ireland Forum. Um, a group of, of Queen's students go to London for a big Vietnam solidarity march in, on the 27th of October. And when they return to Belfast, they set up uh, um, a Queen's um, Association of the Revolutionary Socialist Students Federation who they come into contact in London. Um, but they also turned towards other global events that they thought that there was some resonance between them and what was happening in Belfast. Um, and it indicated a recognition of the anti-colonial or the anti-imperial rhetoric of the wider student movement. There were protests against the South African spring, Springbok rugby team coming to play against the Queen's University rugby team in November of 1969. And in December of that year, they looked by Africa um, group held a hunger strike at the Belfast City Hall during the Christmas break to raise awareness and funds. But there were also, you know, other kind of things going on. So it wasn't just about civil rights. You also see the beginnings of feminism, for example, in Queen's University. Um, in a column that criticised the opening of a, a men-only restaurant in Belfast, a student, Ellis McDermott, wrote, if the American blacks um, commandeered Um, buses in the 1964 Freedom Rides to try and prove their equality. I don't see why the women of Belfast cannot adopt similar tactics in the face of this sort of discrimination. I'm not trying to say that there are any exact parallels between the 
situation of women in general and that of the oppressed blacks. But the following point must be made. We hear a lot about the workers, but the position of women in society is something that no revolution will alter automatically. Workers can rise above their class, and women must and um, can and must rise above their caste. I think the you know the blending of these ideas of class, of um, race, and of gender, I think is, is very telling of the of the time in which which that what happens. Um, Jerry Rubin from the Youth International Party or the Yippies um, met with Cyril Tommen and with Mike Farrell about the pos- possibility of setting up a Queen's University branch in 1970 and there was already a White Panthers branch at the university. But problems with student radicalism start to emerge in 1969, not least because of the January um, to January Belfast to Derry March, which sparked the, the kind of sectarian um, clashes and violence. And Gowan reported about the speculation that the, of the attitude of the Vice-Chancellor at the time towards these events. The uh, Vice-Chancellor had ruled that um, People's Democracy was not allowed to use any other building in the university except the Union building, um, which indicated perhaps that they wouldn't receive, the organisation wouldn't receive recognition from the Academic Council, which meant that it couldn't use the Queen's University title in its, in its name. And, you know, the they were concerned particularly because of Professor Hogan of UCD and his threat, who also threatened student power activists with um, disciplinary action. Um, so there was, you know, it's, it's, there was this kind of idea that, and also that it wasn't, people's democracy wasn't just made up of students. So there was an awful lot of people outside of the student body. And I think that this is something that, yes, of there were uh, member, many of the, those who were involved at key stages at that time weren't students, but we also need to take into account that wider um, or what what we should consider the student movement because you know there are there is an important non-student element within student protests that, that needs to be taken in, into account. Um, but what about politics and the student image? And I think this came up a little bit this morning about how did people outside the university see the university and did this have a problem? There were a number of tax on attacks on the university, um, a petrol bomb attack on the music department, um, a gang attacked the union with um, bottles and bricks. Um, the Department of Science library was set on fire, and this indicated some, you know, um, how strongly some people in Belfast felt about the students. Those who attacked the university premises no doubt identified the students with people's democracy and with civil rights um, activists. One man from the Shankill Road commented, quote, student means Bernadette Delvin to anybody on the Shankill and she's the upstart of this whole apparatus. Others agreed that, and suggested that they are there to study, not to demonstrate. And, you know, this, was, this wasn't just the attitude of the Shankill Road. On the more middle-class Malone Road, um, bitter feeling against the students um, was just as apparent as it had been on the Shankill Road. Um, one um, resident remarked, um, quote, the privilege and honour of being a Queen's is being abused by the present-day students. More discipline is needed. Students are making a bloody nuisance of themselves and they will destroy Queen's eventually. After you know a month of marking exams and dissertations, I can't say I disagree that students are wrecking universities, but um, you know I think for very different reasons. But another um, resident of the Malone Road said, "Quote: The student image has deteriorated over the last year, and Brenda Devlin has not helped. Students are irresponsible in behaviour and dress, and should be screened before admission. Why? Only the other day I saw students sitting on the steps of the student union." It was very difficult times, as you can, as you can see. But um, outside of Northern Ireland, um, 
you know, those outside Northern Ireland read the student revolts in, in Belfast and in Derry in 1968 and 1969 as part of the global wave of student activism. The Black Dwarf, as I said, which was edited and, and published by Tarek Ali between 1968 and 1969, carried many of the stories on Northern Ireland um, and credited students as opposed to the civil rights movement for highlighting the issue in Britain. In 1969, January 1969, um, it commented, quote, the pace of, for, and radicalisation has surprised many militants who said that only last year they were dubbing Queen's University as politically the most um, backward university in the United Kingdom. It was the students who were largely responsible for sparking off the upsurge, which has frightened the complacent, self-satisfied government of Captain Terence O'Neill. Um, and Eamon McCann also said, noted that the bog siders were indebted to the students of Paris for her methods of countering CS gas um, and the effects of CS gas. And this information, he said, came through the pages of, of Black the Wharf. And, you know, here in another one, um, you can't see the writing there, but the Northern Ireland is, is kind of put in among the other kind of um, key events at the time. Um, Sharpsville, um, the Malcolm X assassination, um, Che Guevara um, murder. So this, they see Northern Ireland as, as part of that. Um, so to conclude, um, how much can Northern Ireland be written into the global events of 1968? Um, after the 1969 general election, they abandoned their university base. They set up um, branches around Northern Ireland instead. Um, they're a very unorganised group. Bernadette Delvin commented about you know, how unorganised that they were. Um, but also, you know, unlike the students of Paris or Berlin or Italy or other places, there's very little reference or understanding of the intellectuals of the new left in Belfast and in developing the ideology behind the student movement. Um, Mills, Marcuse and even Marx were absent from any of the debates. And Paul Arthur attributes this absence to the fact that if, P- if people's democracy was to win support in Ireland, it would have to wean its potential members on a diet of Irish thinkers and activists and avoid at all costs the alien culture of Marxism. And when asked in an interview with the New Left Review in 1969 about the form of living revolutionary tradition in Ireland, Eamon McCann answered, quote, it's republicanism and the idea of the revolution is implanted of the minds of the Irish people, surrounded by the glory of 1916 and its revolutionary martyrs. The idea of revolution is not at all alien to the Irish working class as it is to the English. And there, when one calls for revolution, no matter what one actually demands, there is always a link to Connolly and to 1916. And I think that this certainly stresses the Irish nature of people's democracy and of the student movement in Queen's. But as I mentioned at the beginning, the historiography on student activism in Northern Ireland and in Northern Ireland University in the 1960s is quite limited. The tendency to focus solely on people's democracy has obscured the picture somewhat, particularly because of the violence after 1969. Um, so I think what needs to be done now is, what needs to happen is, the, that we need to kind of look at the student activists and see them as a group, a revolutionary group, as a generation. We need, you know, we need to see who are they um, hanging out with, where are they going, where are they getting their influences from, and what happened to them. So essentially, you know, what I think it really needs to happen is we need to do what Roy Foster did for the 1916 revolutionary generation for the 1968 generation. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this History Hub podcast. You can find many more podcasts at historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts.